0: Hey, it's Friday morning, 8-24. And I think the dampness, the rain, is now gone from Phoenix for quite a while. It's still a bit damp, still chilly, but uh, mostly sunny. That looks like there is some fog down there in the mini valley we have here, the mini valley. And just for grins, what do we got for temperature? Looking it up, blah, blah, blah. It's not getting it yet, but that's okay. So, yeah, yeah. Suddenly. um, And the concept of God is closer than you think. I think that's a good episode title. Um, God is Closer Than You Think, a book by John Ortberg. By the way, you're listening to Buddy's Owner and the Arizona Schnoodle Walks. And I'm walking down this quiet Friday morning. And uh, it's a bit chilly. I don't know if the Temperature has come back yet? No, still not picking up a temperature. But uh, previously it was. Let's see. I would have to guess based on previous data. I don't know why sometimes this phone doesn't do its thing. Well dang it you know it's kind of crazy sometimes these phones I got the Vancouver temperature it's 34 in Vancouver (laughs) okay now we now we're rolling okay here we go 21 in Minneapolis 51 in Ipswich Sedona 39 in Sedona 50 in Tucson yeah yeah I guess Green Bay, 30 degrees. Chicago, 32. Those people in Chicago. San Diego, 54. Phoenix, we're 54. Same, a little bit warmer than New York City. Same as San Diego. 86% humidity. It is damp. Like I said, it's damp. So God is closer than you think. And John Arpberg talks about 12 foundational truths and one is number one I think it's number one is God is always active in your life whether you see him or not And I must say that sounds like a pretty arrogant and prideful thought right I mean who are we that God would think of us. I think there's a psalm or something about that too. And uh, and a, a tendency could be that you know we could well up in pride, like oh well, God is active in my life, and you may not see Him and I may not see Him, but God is working. On my behalf, that would be a little bit of a prideful thought. But another way is humbling way. So how can we how can we look at that from a standpoint of humility? And and I think it's possible because that's that's just the amazing thing of God. It's, it says more about God than it does about us, doesn't it? I mean, we can think of it that way. Our first inclination, of course, is to think of ourselves like, oh, really? God is working on, you know, is active in our lives, whether I see him or not. So we could hear that and think, oh, yeah, I, now I feel better, you know, because God's doing something in my life, you know. And uh, instead of getting to pride, I'm humbled and say like, well, I don't know, Lord, what are you, what are you doing? I, I have a f- sense of that. And I have an example to share with you today. And it's sort of, it's impacting my views on that concept because I'm planting seeds uh, for a job search. And, and I, I liken it to the guys getting locked in jail in the book of Acts, and then they don't know what's going to happen. But suddenly God acts and an angel opens the door or does something and they get out of jail. So we know what happens. And then the next thing to think is like, well, you know, that was Peter and John and Paul. Like, I mean, they, they're special people. You know, I mean, God really cares about what happens to them. But don't we have a message that god cares about all of us cares about you and cares about me and wouldn't we say or couldn't we say that that's a mystery that it's just not we just can't comprehend that right so i'm planting seeds i guess dale carnegie or others would might explain this like, well, just go out and be kind to people. You know, the the, uh, the universe will give back to your kindness. But I think it's more than that. I think that there really is some kind of mysterious God at work. I don't. Know. It's it's really complex, and I know I can't convince you of that. You just kind of have to convince yourself. And it's like, do we do we want the challenges? is the pride of like, oh, no, I'm not that important. I, you know, I'm not that important that God is active in my life, whether I see him or not. No, I'm not that important. Well, that's because we always see the end result of God's activity, and we don't see very often. We don't see the how that could be possible, right? So here's my example for today. So I'm, I'm getting up this morning, and and I know my wife's like all anxious about getting a job, right? And I am too. I, I am. and and this is weird emotional feeling where I want my wife to be content and peaceful. And I got to give her the grace and freedom to express her frustrations. But my failure mode is to internalize it and make it about me again. And and, and then I like, oh, well, my wife's frustrated because I don't have a job. So it's all up to me. So all of her peace and joy is dependent on whether I have a job. know. Yeah. And that's not real compassionate of me to have that view. I mean, the worldly view would be that way, maybe. And there's probably a lot of other views, but it's just a fact. So can I, can I somehow learn to respond without my emotional pain or my emotional feelings? Can I just have that boundary? There's a guy that writes this book, Boundaries, which I read it a few times, parts of it a few times. I don't know if I read the whole thing it's kind of technical too. I don't know why that book just didn't flow for me. I may have to look at it again, but, um, and it, and it might've been, it was so the boundary book has great principles in it, but it was maybe a little too direct or something. I don't, I don't know what the word is to say, but it's like clinical, like, And what I mean by clinical is kind of like, well, this situation might arise, and then you do this. This situation might arise, and then you do that. This situation might arise, and you do that. So it's kind of like you read through, I think, if I remember right, you read through the book, and you kind of like, okay, this situation, yeah, I have some situations like that. And then you read the next chapter, and you're like, yeah, I've got some situations like that with some different people. So my gut feeling is that the book kind of flowed through issues like, like let's say there's like 10 major relationship conflict areas and the guy deals with all 10 of them and so I think I left reading the book thinking like well yeah okay I can see I can apply these principles in all these different relationships but when I'm reading a book like that I think people have one particular relationship that drives them to read a book like that. So if every chapter kind of like puts another flavor on these issues and you have two or three chapters which are not really relevant to the relationship you're trying to like improve, well, then you're reading, you know, two or three chapters that are like nice to know, but it doesn't, it may not, Address your specific issue, but anyway, that's minor commentary. And uh, yeah, so a lot of people love boundaries, big, big best seller, seller, right? And that's cool, that's cool. And I like Henry Cloud, I've seen him speak on very effective, very good. And it's because we do have multiple relationships, right? We have family relationships, colleagues relationships, stranger relationships, and these things can come into play. So almost anything Henry talks about, you can think of in your head, like, oh yeah, okay, I can relate this to this. So it's a good book, and it's a reference. And, uh Morning. And uh good stuff. So where was I, I was heading somewhere with the back to God is closer than you think. So twelve foundational principles. God is always active in your life. Whether you see him or not, and I'm working through, I'm talking to myself through the pride aspect of this. Because he's working through everybody's life. Right? It's not It's not like the guy is saying, oh, you're special, you're reading my book and God's working in your life. He's working in everyone's life to some extent. It's a mystery, an amazing, amazing mystery. So, and if that's the case, how do I relate to others? How do I relate to myself? And uh, so I'll give you an example. So I got a phone call at six this morning, which is really unusual, right? So I was up this morning doing my routine around 6. The sun doesn't get up until like 7 now in Arizona, so it's still dark out. going to have some coffee and uh, getting that ready. My wife's getting ready to go do some substitute teaching. She has to get on the road like at 7.30 or something, so... Sitting there and getting my coffee ready. And the phone rings at 7 or 6.30. Unusual, right? And I look and it's like, oh, okay, UK. UK. Okay, UK. United Kingdom. I'm like, oh, who could this be? I think I know who it might be. but It's a recruiter. So about three weeks ago, these guys called me up. Reached out to me before, and uh, saw my profile on LinkedIn. Saw that I had some European experience, some German. We go, hey, this guy's kind of interesting. Aerospace. Let's let's talk to this guy. So they set up an interview, and I talked with them. It's a bit unusual because the job search recruiting game is there's these things called retained recruiters. So what they do is like some company says, well, we need somebody like this. We need a a rocket scientist that's launched rockets to the moon, right? So then they go on LinkedIn and they go, well, there's like three or four companies that do something similar to that. So let's see who's out here on LinkedIn. Oh, this guy looks interesting. Yeah, Yeah. So the retained recruiter is motivated to go get these guys and it's like bad practice for the company to do it themselves, like go poach, they call it people from directly, right? They could do it or they could, you know, it could be a case of, you know, people going to a trade show or industry show and strike up a conversation and say, hey, you know, have you ever thought coming to work for us, you know? So I'm a late adopter to this. I'm an early adopter on a lot of things. Probably a, I do some self-criticism, which I probably shouldn't do, but I, <laughs> it's, like, it's my natural default. But I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an early adopter on many things that are probably, may or may not be that important. And then I'm a late adopter on things that are really important, which is this. This is to be open and be, kind so I'm on my journey right so I didn't realize this stuff
1: there's a lot of things I
0: didn't realize when I was 35 and some of you listening are like 35 don't I know everything already mm-hmm. <laughs> little shout out to the youngsters listening the youngsters at 35 with four kids already so they're like shit man I'm 35 I got four kids what the hell? You know, don't you think I know everything yet? You know? And uh, so that's part of the God is always active in your life, whether you see him or not. Because some of the things that are going on, we're not privy to. And of course, yes, you can trace him back to a human. For example, I didn't get this job um, to be the Gulfstream rep, for example, right, back in 1997, so 22 years ago at this time, November. I probably found out I wasn't going to get to be the Gulfstream rep. So what I, you know, so I I uh Packed packed up my marbles and came home to the U.S. in uh, 1998. I said, okay, I don't get it, you know, I'm an American. You're selling these engines to Americans. Why wouldn't you want an American to do that? So maybe I was just immature and just, you know, not as great as I think I was and it wasn't it was not a case of well you just have to make more phone calls right because there was one only one job there was only one phone call to make and i didn't get it And there's all kinds of things that i didn't know about now was god doing that Eh, it's a mystery i don't think he was actually doing it but here we are 22 years later and i might get what i was after 22 years ago i don't know if it's i get it you know but this is where i sit back and go oh there's some mysterious things going on in the background because i uh i, I really that is kind of like my thing this kind of a weird thing but kind of like engines <laughs> And if you're going to like engines, you might as well like engines that do some really cool stuff, right? Like power corporate jets. It's kind of cool. Kind of rare. And I guess I'm an elitist snob, I guess, right? But um, I mean, I just look back and I'm like, well, I got myself in this position. I know all about how the engines are made and who's doing it. And then it's a bunch of commies from former East Germany, which I love. And uh, yeah, so I've been doing the marketing thing, marketing myself by sending messages through LinkedIn, uh, personal letters, trying not to overdo it, blah, blah, blah. And then this British company who does recruiting contacted me three or four weeks ago, and we engage in the dialogue you know, had a chat. And apparently, so retained recruiters will find somebody, will get an assignment, like, here, go find this person. And they go find them. Then they get a fee, right? This company does that too. But they also do one other thing that I didn't know happened, which is as they search to fill um, other roles, uh, they're talking to a lot of people to fill those roles. And they, they do. Morning. I don't, I don't know which way he's going. He Normally he goes this way. Normally he goes here, but he sees your dog. Which way are you going? Are you going that way? Okay. All right. Okay, bud. That's a big dog, bud. So normally they would... Uh, you know find someone for a specific role but they know they're going to talk to lots of people before they get that you know they find that person so they're like well let's as long as we're doing these phone calls let's collect some information about these people because there's probably some people that would fit in some companies that aren't exactly looking right now but there's some special people there. This morning, I kind of feel kind of special. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to get too big-headed about it. But, uh, yeah, so the guy's making some inroads on the Rolls-Royce guy from his side. So there's a little bit of diciness to it. And diciness meaning it's not uh, super clear, right? Because the recruiting world is set up that um, companies either, it depends on their attitude about this whole process, right? So are they willing to spend 25% of a person's salary just to hire somebody, right? And so like sometimes you get in these issues like, well, the guy's already applied for the job, so we're not going to pay you the fee, right? But the thing is, is Um, you, you don't find out about people sometimes, unless you have somebody hunting for you, right? That's, that's the term headhunter. So, uh, the 6.30 call came in this morning and I've had a chat with the English gentleman and, uh, the, he's making some inroads. He, uh three weeks ago, he's like, well, let's list out some companies that you'd be interested in working for. And I'll go try to plug in. And uh, so he's pushing me through that. And uh, so he, he actually may connect this guy. So in the marketing principles, this guy is eventually going to see my name again. So he's going like, gosh, I keep coming across this guy's name. I should probably talk to him. So I hope to be, I mean, that would be the ultimate would be this, as far as jobs go, a purveyor of the pearl engine. That could be a lot of fun. It should be lucrative in a way, right? Whatever lucrative means, it's all relative. So, um, is, is there some God working there that well, I don't see him? Like Obviously, here's a case where this guy in England's been, I gave him a list of these things, and he's been putting energy into it, obviously. I mean, he calls me at 6.30 this morning and tells me an update saying, like, hey, I'm making progress on this guy, I'm making progress on that guy. And I'm like, maybe I was a rookie, too, uh, about how to deal with these things. But I'm just pleased that someone's doing that, right? So, and then to make, you know, make it even better, he's like, well, he tells me that his process has been to talk to like five people a day, do interviews five days a week. That's 25 people. And he may only end up working with three people. And so I feel special because I'm one of them, right? So I like that situation. I feel special. Morning. So I kind of feel special. And my humbling part of it, it says, well, you know, God's working. And I don't see it. Now, does this person have incentive to work with me? Yeah, of course. He'll, He'll get, he should get a nice payout if he can place me somewhere. So that's good. And they'll even use the term quid pro quo. (laughs) Which, you know, unfortunately, if you're paying attention to any of the media, the last couple of months, American media is all big about quid pro quo. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, God is closer than you think. And you can be humble and hold that view and just let things go. And it's all part of the journey, right? Like, I guess I'd say it's a 22-year journey, which I had never thought of this opportunity before. But here it is again. So maybe this is the best Timing for these things. And what have I learned to do do over the last 22 years? Like, hold things loosely. Just hold. Don't get too... Don't get that job crush thing, right? What's the job crush? So, yeah, yeah. And... That reminds me, actually, should write a status update to this guy I've known for the last couple of years in my journey. And uh, we'll see how that works. So I have some other input. So, so what? What is that to you? So the, the principle I'm speaking about is that God is always active in your life, whether you see him or not. So think about your own situations, whatever you're doing at the moment. I mean, I'm also finding that God is, you know, if that's the principle and the message, which I believe it is, it's a mystery, then no matter where you're living, Louisiana, Colorado, Texas, Arizona, Germany, England, the mystery of of God working, and it's a—it's not that we're prideful, and it's also humbling because I know that uh, uh, Klaus Schenk von Stauffenberg had good intentions, but uh, unfortunately. Um, His intentions didn't work out well for him. But he's an example of, in, in some ways, that God is always active. Whether we see him or not. Because the bomb didn't do its intended mission, which you'd think the universe would have been all in favor of killing Hitler at that moment. But it's a mystery. Why didn't it? And coincidentally, some people call it providence. Even Adolf Hitler, I think, said that and other people have said providence. Even our youth minister used providence where my criticism would be no it's not providence it's a providence is a mysterious description when the likely appropriate position is God himself the Holy Spirit made things happen protected all from dying which resulted in thousands of people having very gruesome deaths, one of which is Klaus Schenk von Stauffenberg. Others are General Rommel. So without going any further into German history, um, it's whatever you like, whatever you're doing, You're driving your car, doing the laundry, God's presence. God is closer than you think. Even, you know, our pride maybe says that uh, it's not real, and uh, and we so we think, well, no, that can't be possible. I'm just I'm just doing the laundry. I'm just cleaning the dishes. I'm just doing whatever you're doing. But mysteriously, God is there. I don't, I I can't describe it. You could be on an airplane. Come on, bud. You could be on an airplane flying back from Florida after winning an award from your peers. Not because you hit some dollar milestone. See, my my prediction is this... uh, woman I know who's a coach. She's doing her own business. And maybe she's not like hitting huge home runs like a orchid care business or golf lesson business or a guitar lesson business. But she's helping people get their message out. And guitar lessons is a message, too. So I'm not denying that or even organ gear is a message. It's a high value to the people that use it. But this woman's going to Florida to give a speech, competing against five others, if you, if, if you even call it a competition, because all five of them are done fabulously. And probably a couple of them, You know, they could sit back and do the numbers and say, well, I can't believe this process method has resulted in our sales going from, you know, 50,000 a year or 50,000 a month to a million dollars a month. And everyone will be like, whoa, the numbers are huge. But this writing coach, her numbers probably won't be like that, like a million dollars a month. But what? uh, there's value. We all know in our gut that there's value in things that aren't just numerically measured. So I'm hoping she has a good five-minute speech or whatever she is. My recommendation was for her to fall into her marketing role of Build a story brand and let the audience, reach out to the audience. They're all heroes. I mean, and she goes to her event. They literally are all heroes. I mean, different stages people are in of their businesses. It's entrepreneurs. And they have a message. Or in this case, she's kind of a guide. To us, uh, many people getting messages out. And maybe it's only 30 a year right now. Maybe people. people. Maybe it'll go to 40 and 50. And it'll get kind of unwielding if she starts getting 100 authors a year or something. And uh, it could happen for her. And so we want her to have that. But anyways, the point being is that God is always active in our lives, whether we see him or not. And we often don't see him. Probably like 99% of the time we don't see God working and we don't know the impact we're having on others. So we have impact on others and we just don't see it. And I like, I know some of the impact I have on others is they don't like it, the impact I'm having. (laughs) yeah yeah but um so i i wish her the best it would be kind of cool if she wins and it won't be because she has the most dollars i think it's gonna be that she's gonna make an impact and the people are gonna listen to her speak and they're gonna think wow she is changing the world through helping people get their message out. You know, she's doing that. So I hope she wins. I hope she's flying back to Colorado with a huge smile. Maybe she even wins some money. I think, what do they win? Maybe 25 grand, 100 grand. I don't know. She she deserves it. She's abundant. She's like, she's hustling, man. And she's so organized, right? She's like on it. And she may not even think she's on it, right? But this is that distribution curve concept, right? Like I suck at organizing stuff, right? I mean, I just, for me, everything's gut, roll with it, in the spirit. It's going to work out. And maybe it's because I'm getting older. I just don't have the energy to, like, hyper-analyze every hour, minute of my day. And maybe it's Bud, who just... My number one routine right now is walking Bud twice a day. And um, when the moment's right, I do a podcast. And it's goofy. Uh, podcasts. But I hope... You know it only takes touch one person, right? Like whatever that means. but I'm also marinating in the message and figuring out how to articulate it this best. And what did I read today? Just reading through um, first Timothy. And it just dawns on me, it was like we got to read it in its entirety. It can't be verse-plucking, you know, have the answers for everybody. I mean, Christian leadership, eldership, preaching, teaching, whatever, it can't be about administering information to have an answer for everything. There has to be love and relationship, understanding, and uh, patience. So the Timothy guy, who had cracked up about because he was saying how, Paul said how great Timothy was and there was no one else like him. I would look out for their interests. And should things change? I mean and I don't know if it's an argument. I was gonna use the word argument. But the observation maybe instead of argument. And I'm learning I I probably I'm not one to think very much before I speak, right? I really I just kinda let it flow. And uh, not uh, always the best method. So my observation is Paul was sensitive to what he observed in the motivations of some of his colleagues And he felt that Timothy had the purest, purest, motives concern for others and that's why he said in philippians 2 like i have no one else they all look after their own personal interests and then i interpret that in the way that i want to interpret it which is to say but i'm sending you a epaphroditus which i think is an insult to epaphroditus but maybe it's not really an insult to Epaphroditus. I said he walked it back and said all these great things about Epaphroditus. Which a logical mind would think, well, what personal interest does uh, Epaphroditus have? And uh, I don't think Paul is saying that Epaphroditus and all the, everybody else is a bad guy. I think the point is that he's just elevating Timothy to like six sigma status, meaning he's way out there, but he's not perfect. I mean, uh, Paul would probably say that Timothy's not perfect by any means, but he had something that made him different, and that's great. And that's great. And Epaphroditus is not a bad guy, and most of the guys aren't bad guys. But it makes me wonder, though, too, when a young seminary-trained pastor comes to Arizona and has all the answers. Morning has all the answers to get the people that have been doing jack for Jesus for 20 years. He's going to get us to finally stop doing jack for Jesus. I just have a feeling that he's not really being like Timothy at that moment. He's probably not even being as good as Epaphroditus. But he's not a black, negative person. He's just not, he hasn't moved up the curve He hasn't moved up the curve yet, so I don't want to express any anger towards the situation. It's just is what it is. And can I give the guy grace? Yeah. Does he give me any grace? No. (laughs) But, But is that what we're called to do, too? And I swear, I think women have this figured out when they're like by the age of 15, <clears throat> and guys, most some of us never get it. But I just think women, because they're always not always, but quite often pushed around and and uh, so I would say there's a much stronger male privilege than there is white privilege. Uh, in fact that might be more for me personally if i have to if i have to dabble into politics or something i would say and someone brings up white privilege i might i might proffer or offer that yeah there's probably some white privilege out there but you know what really is an issue a really big big issue is male privilege. How's that? I haven't heard anyone use that term before. But I think male privilege is a <laughs> is a better subject than the others. So and what does that tell us about the grievance industry I had I listened to Rob Bell and He had a guy on there talking about Stephen's martyr. And since I read that quite frequently, I got a little pissed off at Rob's friend because he was trying to say that uh, what caused the Jewish leadership to stone Stephen was his. he offered the idea that... uh, It was because Stephen wanted to change the economy (laughs) and that the Greek word for build your house is the same word, Greek word that we get economy from. And, of course, Rob buys into it hook, line and sinker because it fits his narrative. And the facts of Stephen getting stoned is not because he quoted an Old Testament passage that said, what kind of house are you gonna build for me? No, that's, that's not why they stoned him. They stoned him because of the context of over 50 verses where Stephen was filled with the power of God Almighty, was healing people, doing wonders, baffling these Jewish leaders who had thousand years of power built up. And this guy is telling them that they th- they kind of have it wrong with their faith and understanding of God. And in fact, not only do they have it unbad, they murdered the guy. They murdered Jesus. And that's when the stones came out. Not because... Oh, this gentleman is speaking about changing our whole economic system. No, 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 no. What's more likely, a political debate about economics or being told that you murdered the son of God, the greatest prophet, What is more likely to piss you off? (laughs) What, What is more likely to drive you to pick up stones? A political debate or being accused of murdering someone? Right? Yeah. I think being accused of murdering someone would more than likely... Drive you to the emotional edge of stoning this guy. So, yeah, that is the proper, the more proper, I should say, view of Stephen. Not, he was proposing a social justice view of the world. I, I really read it yourselves, folks. I do not see how you can see the like, oh, Yes, this is stoned because he was promoting social justice. <laughs> Come on, raise a glass. It was there the whole time. Now it sounds like I'm mocking Rob Bell. But I'm not mocking him. I love Rob Bell. We love y'all always, Rob, love y'all always, but we all have our black slices of air, right? I got some black slices of air. I don't know what they are, but I'm sure I will be told soon enough. (laughs) So, So I don't think I'll, I don't think I'm gonna, Expend any amount of energy anymore trying to figure out what my black slice of air is. I'll let other people tell me, and they'll probably be wrong, you know? Or it'll it might be, a, you know, a gray slice, like slightly wrong. But my core black slice, I don't know what it is, and I probably don't want to know. So, Yeah, it's not probably Rob's black slice then. It's probably just his gray slice of social justice. And why do I have a penchant for social justice waste of time discussions? Because I lived in Berlin for five years. It doesn't make me special. It doesn't make me smarter than anybody. It's just that I had an observation of 13 million people who had their world turned upside down from communism to capitalism. And nobody died. Nobody murdered. There was no war. It was a miracle. I mean, I I remember the commie lady, my German teacher, Ingrid, just having the expression of, my gosh, we had all this change, this massive change, and there was no war, no violence. Knowing that that, that's saying a hell of a lot coming from a German. (laughs) Think of the Germany had wars in 1870 1914, 1940, three major uh, violent, murderous vandals, as uh, Jan Boomerman says. The murderous vandals. Yeah. But in 1989, a miracle happened that Ingrid recognized. She sees it. But not many people do. And I I don't fully appreciate it like she does. Because I didn't live through 40 years or 50 years of the crap. I was just the smartass that came along later and said, Hey, isn't it great that the wall is down now and you can go to Disneyland in Florida? (laughs) Think about that, folks. It's the natural response from an American. And uh, especially a cocky American. But I've been politically humbled. And that is an awesome story of the East German transition. And I love that story. I love Unfortunately, I love a lot of stories. But what's in it for you? What now? I'm getting close to home here. So we're going to wrap this up. Wrapping it up soon. So what now? Hopefully you're chilling with your AirPods. Maybe you won some AirPods. And $15,000 for getting in second place in the competition. And you're having a glass of wine. stress you know the people are going to these events they're they're pretty keyed up it's once a year event their energies are pumped and now it's over you're flying home and you decide what the heck i'll listen to this crazy guy walking his dog in arizona and uh the now what is just enjoy the flight, have another drink, think about your kids, your wonderful kids, and the arrangements and your family, and you got Thanksgiving coming up, and you got a great family in Texas, and you got you got uh, things to be thankful for. And you either won first place or second place. I don't know what it is we all know you deserve first place, right, bud? Bud saying, "Yeah, first place, bud," right? But whatever it is, you've now completed that event in 2019. And the mystery is what's next. What's going to happen next? Is it truly a mystery? Do we have not do we not have a living god? That was the word that stuck out to me in Timothy this morning. Another reference to the living God. Which in all my 50, no, two fifty years or whatever, 40 years, 2,000 sermons, I haven't heard enough emphasis on the living God. And that he is active in 7 billion people's lives right now. And that is amazing. So shout out to Carrie Phipps and Debo, who's probably in Singapore with Frank, the German right now. Um, But yeah, do talk to strangers because God is active in everyone's life in some way. And you can bring some micro generosity of the God Almighty's love and concern for others. So how's that, folks? And this one probably was pretty long. Yeah, 55 minutes. So, you know, for those long flights from Florida to Denver, this is a special one. All right, I'm going to end it with your grace and peace. So you need some grace, get some peace. And look for that mercy coming your way. Mercy coming your way. Amen, folks. And the podcast you just listened to was brought to you by Anchor FM. So be sure to hear that part too. Bye.